fast fashion manufacturers. It's just all about pumping out the most stylish, relevant product, often at the expense of, you know, comfort elements because those typically cost more. Facts do not have opinions. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything. I'm here each week to dive deeper into how we can find happiness and health inside and out through self-love, body positivity, and discovering new ways to be our best selves. Before we get started, a reminder, this podcast is for general educational purposes and is not intended to diagnose, advise, or treat any physical or mental illness. And our opinions here are just that our own. Listeners, this week we're venturing into territory to broaden our horizons with education about fashion. I know it's a little off track, but just bear with me for a minute. We did a deep dive into the science of compression in episode 355, and this is an expansion of that conversation. Just kind of a quick recap. I am only interested in compression that I feel good in, And we don't want to be short of breath, have reduced blood flow, or sculpt to a point where we're like corseting ourselves and compressing our internal organs or anything like that. But modern sculpting can help with posture, putting things back into place before they were affected by gravity, motherhood, extra skin, years of dieting, whatever it is that you're feeling about your body. There is no judgment or shame in whatever you choose to do, and we want you to be aware of how it might affect your body. So for me, I want to put back into place things that gravity are affecting after having lost, gained, lost, gained so much weight throughout my life that I actually feel more comfortable, especially if I'm in kind of non-loungewear attire. If I'm wearing something that gives me a bit of a lift and keeps things in place, but it's not something I wear all the time. And it's something that I've been evolving my understanding of for a long time. So I'm excited to talk more about that today with our guest. And before I kind of get into who our special guest is, I also want to kind of give a perspective about fashion in general, because we're addressing two kind of aspects today. And if you're not familiar with the effects that fashion can have on specifically our planet and also the types of materials that are used can affect our body, oftentimes there are chemicals in fashion that you might not be aware can affect your health. And so when we look at things like that, it's important to understand what we put on our body is just as important as what we put in our body the clothes that we wear. And I want to share a quote from the Geneva Environment Network to kind of sum up all of that, which says, fast fashion comes at an astonishing environmental and social cost. While the impacts of fashion industry in terms of pollution, water use, carbon emissions, human rights, and gender inequity are increasing, the need for a shift to sustainable fashion is evident. So to talk with all of this about us today, We have Rachel Penlack, who is here to talk about how clothing can make us feel and how it's affecting the earth. She was a senior level e-commerce expert at Amazon Corporate for seven years, 
in the early days of building Amazon's fashion business. I remember, by the way, when Amazon was not a fashion place. That's how old I am. So I'm particularly interested to talk more about that as well. And I know she had her hands in supply chain optimization for a lot of the larger brands, all of which you would know the names of if we mentioned, and left that career path because she felt called to a craft of her own to build a shapewear company that helps women embrace their curves and not hide them. Rachel's brand, Penzi, is size inclusive up to 3X with various torso lengths. And if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen me wear them before. So I'm excited, Rachel, to have you here on the show and tell us a little bit more about yourself, your story, and allow me to ask all of the burning questions that I have because you have such an interesting broad range of experience and knowledge. I'm going to exploit it all. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and just in general, anything that I might have missed? Sure. So I, yeah, as you mentioned, I spent most of my career at Amazon working in the e-commerce industry. I kind of fell into it. I mean, I've always been into fashion, but never, you know, I never anticipated it really branching out into e-commerce and making that my career path. I spent a majority of my time in Seattle. I went to school there, saw what was happening in retail and in e-commerce and with, you know, fast shipping and everything that was going on online and really wanted to become a part of that. I spent pretty much my entire career at Amazon really optimizing how we purchase inventory from suppliers to make sure that we had the right amount of inventory for, to meet the demand at the time, which was ever growing. So working with a ton of fashion brands, even home decor brands and, you know, other brands that we essentially wanted to make Amazon that everything store that we know today is. So uh, really what interested me in fashion is that, yes, it was an ever growing e-commerce industry, but there was a ton of room to grow just with sustainability, making sure that we're being socially responsible with how we were manufacturing product. And I really wanted to take a sort of sleepy category that people didn't really talk about. It was kind of, you know, shapewear was historically this brand or this category that women didn't really talk to each other about. It was hidden in the closet. It was never to be seen. It was the secret that women felt that they needed to resort to. You know, in, in growing up in an Asian American household, you know, body image was always at the forefront of and just at just top of mind, you know, unfortunately, you know, my aunts and even my uncles and of course my mom, my grandmother, et cetera. I grew up always thinking about just my body image in general, whether good, whether bad. And I turned to shapewear for, at a young age to hide what I was, you know, even the tiniest bit of baby fat or belly fat. It was this tool that I used to hide. And, you know, I grew up hating that. And, you know, as I was searching for a category to really want to disrupt and just change the conversation around, shapewear really became that. It was like, hey, I had such a bad experience with it growing up. I think that there's a ton of room here to, one, make it a sustainable and environmentally friendly category 
but also making it something that women actually found benefit in that didn't just come with hiding their bodies. But instead of that, you know, actually accentuating and really supporting the figure and making you feel, you know, put together and confident and, you know, improving posture. There's many benefits that come with that. So so as I spent my time at Amazon, just really learning about e-commerce and what the gaps were at the time, that's how I stumbled upon shapewear being that category that I really wanted to expand upon. I am fascinated and excited to dive into all of that. And I think it was an insightful perspective because I know, especially with the launch of like TikTok and Instagram Reels, being able to wear your undergarments in a fashionable way is something that is so prominent. I see how many people in their underwear or whatever on Instagram and whether it's a body confidence post or whether it's, you know, an ad selling the actual product, it's endless. And so I think being able to show something that is like, oh, I could see myself in a boudoir shot in that, you know, equivalent of what previously we fied, you know, is uh, an interesting concept. So before we dive into that, I know our listeners love to learn. This is mostly an educational show. I am a geek. I love to research. So I want to start out with some facts and science about the fashion world to give perspective on how important it actually is to our environment and physical health and well-being. And I'm excited to hear more about this from you because you are living and breathing this versus what I can read on the internet. So some of the statistics that I found, the, this was all based on, I think, 2020 research because it takes a while to kind of accumulate the data and parse it and report. Up. So just for everybody's perspective, the fashion industry is valued at more than $2.5 trillion, which anytime I use the word trillion, I don't think like people can understand how much that is. It's like a lot beyond what we can imagine. And employs over 75 million people worldwide. The sector has had spectacular growth, specifically between 2000 and 2014, doubling clothing production. And people bought 60% more garments during that time period, but only kept their clothes for half as long. We're seeing a, we're seeing a, boom in what is called fast fashion, which is people buying more clothes for less cost, but at a lower quality. So they're discarded sooner. Fashion production makes up 10% of humanity's carbon emissions, dries up water sources, and pollutes rivers and streams. And 85%, this one gets me, I'm like 85% of all textiles are dumped each year. And I recently saw the National Geographic Spotlight about Chile's desert that has one of the fastest growing dumping grounds for discarded clothes. And people like go there and find clothes that are brand new that like brands are, you know, getting rid of their clothes and then it's just dumped in the desert. It's crazy. So the United Nations has declared it an environmental and social emergency. And some of the specific statistics around that are the equivalent of one garbage truck full of clothes is burned or dumped in a landfill every second. 
approximately 60% of all materials used by the fashion industry are made from plastic. So washing them sends a significant amount of microplastics into the ocean. 500,000 tons of microfibers are released into the ocean each year from washing clothes, which is the equivalent of 50 billion plastic bottles. The fashion industry is responsible for 8 to 10% of humanity's carbon emissions, more than all international flights and maritime shipping combined, and some 93 billion cubic meters of water, enough to meet the needs of 5 million people, is used by the fashion industry annually, contributing significantly to water scarcity. And around 20% of industrial wastewater pollution worldwide originates from the fashion industry. Of course, we need clothes. Like, well, I mean, I guess we could live in a society where we don't wear clothes, but that's not how we've evolved. That's not what we're doing. So, Rachel, I know kind of living and breathing this every day, can you share how knowing a lot of this plays into the choices that you make with your brand and the products that you make? Yeah, I think, you know, whenever we make product, we make a deliberate choice to create products that aren't fast fashion and that can stand the test of time. So, you know, when we think about, okay, what is this product substitute for? A lot of our bodysuits can substitute for a bra, a bodysuit, even an underwear, and even just a bodysuit garment in general. So you really get four things in one garment as opposed to having to buy four separate things. So, you know, when we think about developing product, it's not with the intention that, oh, she has to buy four or five different things just to have a full outfit. It's, you know, how can we embed more into this so that she can get that long-term use, she can wear it again and not have to cycle through a lot of her clothing. So that's one of the deliberate choices that we really try to make. The other thing is, you know, we do take pride in sourcing recycled fabrics. I think that, you know, a lot of fashion companies, they don't want to incur that additional expense to source recyclable materials that are actually certified without hazardous substances and are made in ethical manufacturing factories. So, you know, our fabrics, for example, are OECO Tex 100 certified, which means that they are free of harmful toxins, so formaldehyde, dyes, et cetera, that are harmful to both humans and the environment. So usually, you know, in, in addition to that, the actual factories that those fabrics are produced in, if they have those that certification specifically, they are made in factories that have no child labor, minimal noise and dust and pollution level, levels, and are free of hazardous substances within the factory itself. So really taking that extra level of care to make sure we understand where our fabric is not only coming from, but how is it actually manufactured and how is the actual practices within the factory itself. So so really taking sort of that extra step there. In addition, with the rise of remote work culture, we're actually 90% remote. So that's less vehicles on the road, commuting back and forth to the office and really taking pride in wanting to definitely just promote that the environmental impact that even transportation causes to the world. And so really taking that deliberate approach to staying remote and having most of our meetings through Zoom. In addition, you know, brands can 
definitely take advantage of having biodegradable mailers and packaging. Being that we are an e-commerce company, it's very important that all of our packaging materials are not harmful to the environment and that we can, you know, recycle those materials. And so really taking that extra step and thinking about just the entire supply chain from fabric sourcing to how it's made all the way through to, you know, the end customer and the packaging that they receive. Reminder, today is the last day of Beauty Counter's site-wide sale, celebrating our 13th legislative win and our first in Canada. Everyone gets 20% off with the summer site-wide sale, and you can also get free shipping with the purchase of the Albright Dark Spot Minimizer, or if you have their perks program, Bandit Beauty, you can add that for $10 only right now, which is $19 off. Altogether, it's like $187 savings on a $125 order cannot beat the steal. I really want everyone who is wanting to switch to Safer to take advantage of the savings. If you're looking for an easy button to try to navigate the best deal, I created a custom cart for you at realeverything.com slash June because the steal is good through today, June 30th. If you're listening to this after June 30th, you can get 20% off site-wide with code CLEANFORALL20 when using an email that's never purchased before. If you have any questions or skin concerns, I would love to help you. Email me, stacy at realeverything.com. And if you're already ready to shop and save 20% off site-wide, head to beautycounter.com slash stacytoth and choose me, S-T-A-C-Y-T-O-T-H, no code necessary today, June 30th, at beautycounter.com slash stacytoth. What inspired you to kind of be at the forefront of all of these choices? Because it, it is a yeah. choice, like you said. It's more costly. It takes more effort, which means more money to pay people to do all of these things rather than just kind of taking the easy route. Right. Really, it was from my time at Amazon. I saw just in the fashion e-commerce industry, all of the waste that occurred all throughout the supply chain. So with the rise of e-commerce and fast shipping, you know, that same day shipping and the next day shipping, that's more planes in the air, seeing, you know, just how harmful and how much it was piling up year over year, you know, the carbon emissions weren't necessarily getting better. <laughs> and so really being inspired by seeing that trend just grow and everyone's expectations of e-commerce is I want it fast. I want it now. They don't understand just what that impact truly is to, you know, their impulsivity and how their impulsivity is impacting the environment overall. Because I didn't see that trend really going away, you know, especially to this day, I wanted to take it upon myself to build a brand that defied that exact sentiment. You know, we do offer fast shipping, et cetera, for an upcharge, but you know, I wanted to make sure that the product itself and the way in which we package the product was contributing, you know, positively to the environment and reducing that impact. I'm curious about the actual manufacturing process. It boggles my mind to think about, because when we say something like net zero or 
you know, when we're looking at the carbon emissions life cycle and different impacts on planet, it doesn't just start with you. It doesn't just start with me as a consumer and it doesn't just end with recycling, right? Like where my recycling is taken, Chile's desert or how something is manufactured, like the net zero process fully encompasses that whole timeline. So can you, what can you share about like what that manufacturing process is like from when you choose materials? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm thinking like, how do you even partner with someone who's manufacturing? Mm -hmm. Like you say, 90% of your employees are at home. And the first thing I go to is like, well, who's making them clothes and how are they getting it to my hands? And like, how do you then kind of control that whole handoff, right? From person to person to person. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. So overall, the way that we vet factories, so we go through a very thorough vetting process because what we want to do is understand, okay, what does what is the protocol for their employees when it comes to, you know, getting to work? How often are they in there? How, what are the practices within the actual factory that promotes sustainability and ethical practices? So what we do is they actually fill out a scorecard that we actually give to them that looks at, you know, how are they, how many hours are their employees working? including what does the transportation look like from the fabric all the way to the factory, you know, and really trying to cut a lot of that noise out of the manufacturing process to ensure that we not only have something that's very streamlined and efficient, but also that they're complying with the OECO Techs 100 standard protocol. And there's this whole list of practices and to even qualify for that certification. So when we look at factories, it's not just cost. You know, we really do look at just end to end from, you know, employees all the way through to final delivery. And so, you know, there's a lot of controls and inspections that we put into place even throughout the manufacturing cycle. So we have someone coming in and marking essentially what stage they are in production. Are they in compliance with the procedures that you know, are deemed just friendly to the environment. And, you know, and a lot of it has to do with having a strong factory partner that is honest in their practices. But we do, you know, monitor and police what it is they actually do on a consistent basis. So a lot of brands, what they'll do is they'll sign up with a factory and then they'll get the goods at final inspection and then they'll ship it off. What they don't do is they don't go in throughout the actual process and monitor the wastage. You know, are there cer- there's actually certain sewing methods, for example, that promote less waste. So what we do during development is we say, OK, is this sewing method or this type of finishing on the garment going to promote fabric wastage? How do we make sure that we're actually utilizing the consumption that we've purchased? in the best way. And a lot of times it's exactly that. How do you finish the garment? How do you know stitch the ends? How do we kind of, do we want to do a side seam or do we want it to be wrapped around completely? Because there are implications for fabric wastage depending on how you sew the garment itself. So we're involved all throughout the entire life cycle, all the way to, from beginning of fabric ordering, all the way to final inspection and then shipping of the goods. 
I can see how it would be a huge difference to be that involved and engaged and focused on maintaining a certification, which define those standards versus the bottom line of what is the cheapest way you can get me this product, right? And I think the other side of that, and, you know, for your perspective and listeners, you know, I have, we're adopting our foster child who came to us from a home where they did not have access to purchase things that would have cost more. And when I shared with them some of the information about uh, there's a particular brand. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna share the brand, but they're a teenager, and there's a particular brand that is, you know, very popular on TikTok because influencers can buy the items very affordably, do the TikTok videos with them, and then move on because it's a fast fashion item. And so, from, right. from their perspective, when they moved in with us and we started talking about being able to get them clothing that reflected their identity and not just like what was available at a thrift store or what you know they had access to before although we still love thrifting i'm all about upcycle that's what they wanted and i was like well let's walk through this brand like let's i want you to understand why it's so affordable because they make those kind of choices the workers are not ethically comp like the workers are not an environment that is ethical. They're not being compensated mm-hmm. fairly. They're working long hours. The items of clothing themselves have, like, if you open clothing and it smells, like, that's a sign that it's been treated with some of the chemicals that you're talking about, avoiding, like, all of these different things. And then they started going down the rabbit hole on TikTok about that brand being problematic. And they were like, oh my gosh, I had no idea, like, children are making these clothes. And I'm like, yes, you know, it's so it's, to me, how we live our life. If it's, you know, it's a health and wellness show to me, how can I possibly be focused on the health and wellness of everybody if I'm not thinking about the health and wellness of the workers who are creating products that I am supporting and using and purchasing? So, right, like as someone who is manufacturing these products to also be concerned with the ethical treatment of the factory workers, Mm -hmm in addition to your own employees, like, I just think that we all humans have a responsibility to be aware of the choices that we're making and how it affects other people's well-being. Because I do think that collectively we can cause change, which also kind of brings me to, I think that there is much different thought process on Amazon specifically than when you worked there, right? Like the way that the public discourse is in understanding some of the choices that Amazon are making. So for example, anti-unionization was big in the news in the last year. I'm wondering kind of, you know, you said you were working there and then you realized like you you wanted supply chain optimization and you wanted to kind of disrupt a market and find something that you could own that would empower people that you had a personal connection to. All of that makes sense. I'm wondering kind of being separated from where you started to where you are now, how do you reflect on modern perspective on your time at Amazon? And also curious, like, what was it really like inside yeah. when you were there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting because Amazon has gone through quite an evolution ever since I was there. I started actually in 2011, so a little over a decade ago. So working on the inside, 
at the time, Amazon was still trying to be everything to everyone. So there was a ton of emphasis on stocking the warehouses with everything under the sun, you know, making sure that customers could find exactly what they're looking for and that they could rely on Amazon to find exactly what they need, whether it's a canoe or it's a, you know, a Band-Aid or whatever it is, Amazon wanted to be that. So that did come with a lot of just pressure. You know, you, I'm sure you've heard about it in the news of, you know, the work culture being very draining, long hours, a ton of burnout. And I think that isn't false. You know, there was a lot of hours that were put in to make this company something that people could actually see themselves getting everything from. So it's really being that one-stop shop for everyone. And it really operated kind of like a mini startup in many different parts of the companies. Like if you think about, you know, startup life, it was startup life in every single aspect of the company from home decor, from fashion, from shoes to even like the devices category, trying to figure out how to launch the Kindle. And so there was definitely a ton of work, but really a lot of the work was focused on how do we meet the demand of customers in the breath that they need it and at the time that they need it, right? So, you know, I think that working on the supply chain side was particularly challenging because we would oftentimes overstock ourselves to make sure that we didn't miss out on sales, right? And so it was always just balanced of like, how do we not overstock ourselves to the point to where we have all this wastage that we then have to you know, move out of the back door of the warehouse and clear out of it and send it off to to somewhere else. But how do we also grow this company to meet the demands of the customer? And so there was always this balance that was, you know, it was draining to maintain, I think, you know, at the time. And in fact, when I was there, we implemented what now is called, what what many know to be called dropship, which what that means is we allow the vendors and the brands to hold inventory at their warehouse and fulfill customer orders from their warehouse, as opposed to shipping the product to Amazon's warehouse and then Amazon then ships on it for a period of time and then fulfills it to the customer. So you reduce just the transportation of having two trucks do the job of one, you know, and one storage facility doing the job of what could have been two. And so there were many things that we were testing at the time to see, you know, how do we actually improve the lead time to the customer and then also reduce the waste involved. So it was a ton of trial and error. I think that they're still working on it. You know, it's an ever evolving. It's tough because it's an ever evolving effort, but the demands of the customer are also growing at a rapid rate. Right. We still want things faster than ever. We want the selection as just as much as we ever wanted it before. We expect Amazon to carry everything. So I think from a customer standpoint, we kind of, you know, Amazon created the modern day customer and the expectations. And so, you know, I think that just overall, you know, Amazon is still to this day still trying to be that. I think it only is going to change once our expectations as customers, you know, change and we give a little bit more grace to the supply chain, you know, process. So, but overall, still a great experience having worked there. I think it's just the speed in which it grew was definitely taxing on both individuals and the environment. Yeah. 
This podcast is sponsored by Care Of. It is a dirty little secret in the industry that many supplement brands use shortcuts that don't deliver the results you want because of the lack of regulation in the industry. And Care Of is committed to quality and sustainability. Best of all, their products are tested three times throughout their supply chain in the United States. This ensures that their products meet exacting specifications and that they're safe. Health is deeply human and it has to be personal. So Care Of is there to help you find whatever works for you. They are taking care of you. Yep. Sorry, not sorry for that pun. Again, it never gets old. But seriously, Care Of's daily vitamin packs are made with plant-based compostable film to help limit the impact of the environment without compromising on the quality and safety of their products. They create products that are as effective for your body as possible based on a foundation of scientific research and then using forms of each nutrient that are easiest for the body to digest and absorb. And what makes them especially unique is that you take a short in-depth quiz about your lifestyle and health goals for a personalized doctor-backed recommendation. And the quiz can be retaken at any time to switch up your packs as your lifestyle and needs change. My results focused on brain health and collagen protein, which is what I want and need. So not a bunch of stuff I didn't, which I genuinely appreciate and tells me a lot about the integrity of the brand. I love that their collagen is tested for safety. I add it to my morning smoothie and even today took their focus blend with methylated B12 literally before recording this show. I love that I get a brain boost without caffeine. It is so hard to find brain supplements without caffeine. For 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code WHOLEVIEW50. That's T-A-K-E-C-A-R-E-O-F dot com with code WHOLEVIEW50 for half off. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'll be the first one to say, like, yesterday, our family ran out of dishwashing pods. And we Mm. use a particular brand that we can't find in a store because it's cleaner ingredients and whatever. Oh, actually, it was on a Sunday. And so I ordered Amazon Prime one day for those pods to arrive the next day, which was a holiday. And I just kept thinking, like, gosh, I'm contributing to the problem. Like, I don't know, we need to wash our dishes. But you're so right. Like, my expectation as a customer is that I can't find that product in a store, but I know Amazon will have it and Amazon will get it for mm-hmm. me quickly. And I think the other side of that coin is being the wife of a, a United States postal carrier. Like when he took that job, I had the perspective of what my grandfather had when he had that job, which yeah. is that, you know, he would have holidays and Sundays off. And we were thinking like, oh, this is a great family job, you know, like, He wanted to be outside and move his body. And I was like, this is a win-win for everybody. And then we realized that because of the Amazon contract, the United States Postal Service does deliver in full operation. They just don't deliver mail, but they deliver fully operational for all packages on Sundays and all holidays except two a year. And I don't think that a lot of people, Americans, realize that, right? Like a lot of some someone said to me yesterday, oh, it must be so nice to have your husband home. And I was like, he works today. What are you talking about? And they're like, it's a holiday. And I'm like, it's a holiday for you. It's not a holiday for the postal service. People still deliver the mail. And I'm like, and I was that person. I was the person yeah. who got a package yesterday. And you're saying like, 
Amazon created the consumer that mm-hmm. there is today because of that expectation. They also created this desire for free shipping, which is so hard for especially small businesses or yeah. ones that don't have like a larger distribution chain to deliver because shipping and delivering packages is not free. It's actually quite expensive. So they have to build in. If you're getting free shipping, you're really paying for the shipping and the price of the product that you're using. And I think like to consider how the drop ship was a positive impact on environment and also gets products faster into consumers' hands. Like, you know, to to their credit, that was a great thing that they're working mm-hmm. on doing. And at the same time, like it is a big change if you think about how we bought things 10, 15 years ago and the expectations that we now have versus like being able to get something same day. Right, right, exactly. And I think that, you know, with dropship too, what's really nice is, you know, retailers don't have to sort of overbuy or over forecast. Right. Like they can just say, okay, you know, let's turn the dropship feed on. We'll link it to the site. Customers will see that there's in stock inventory, but it's actually sitting at the, you know, supplier side, not on Amazon side, because there was just, like I said, so much waste in, you know, we're human beings. We can't accurately predict what the demand's going to be. We only have historicals to rely on. And if there's no historical data, we just, you know, we, finger in the air put you know put make a number well, up the last and say, few, well <laughs> the last yeah. few years even if you had historical data it couldn't mm-hmm. tell you anything i mean it was been so unpredictable since the pandemic so exactly yeah. well i do want to talk about specifically your brand and body positivity listeners if you're not familiar if you go to pensy's website you'll find that women of various shapes skin tones and uniqueness is celebrated I, know that it's shapewear. So we are talking about creating an ideal body type, so to speak. But I would also say if that's not right for you, then like totally fine. You don't need it. There are a lot of people who want it, however. And so I find that being able to support a brand that is giving me something that I want, but in a way that doesn't create shame or, you know, anything about your body or somebody else's body is really important. And I think, as you said, you kind of accentuate a woman's body in the way that the shapewear works and celebrates. I'm saying woman's figure, but I also just want to be inclusive here. Like anybody could wear this product, no matter how they're identifying and feel comfortable in it. And it's not an embarrassment. And I have worn, I have like a one of your original like OG viral bodysuits that's lacy. I've worn it twice in public with like, you know, blazer once. And then the other time it was like a button down jean shirt that I tied. Like I kept open and then I tied with like a cute cowgirl skirt. Both times people were like, what are you wearing? It's amazing. And I was like, let me just tell you, I am so freaking comfortable. I'm not wearing a bra. Like there's no wire here. Like I look amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel amazing. Um, I felt really sexy. Like I remember taking fashion video and just being like, I look good. I feel so sincerely empowered. So you're a very well-targeted Instagram ads got me good and that I paid it forward. But 
you know, I remember wearing other shapewear where it felt like I was stuffing my sausage into a beige <laughs> tube and there was a lot to be ashamed about that I would need or want this product. And I also remember the very first time that I saw shapewear, which was on the Oprah Winfrey show. I think it was Spanx's debut and they mm-hmm. were doing like makeovers and they showed the difference between someone wearing shapewear and not wearing shapewear. And I was like, you know, I have always been fat. So I was a fat teenager and I just remember being like, oh, I need to like, I need to do that. I didn't realize at the time, like that was a thing that I quote unquote needed. And so to now be able to kind of own it and be like, this feels good. It's, I don't have to wear a bra with this. Like I'm wondering kind of how you run with that, like that dichotomy of the impact to women about the perspectives that were given about our body. And you talked about it being part of your family culture, your Asian American culture, like how you felt about yourself, your body, but also trying to be inclusive and empowering. Like, what's that like for you? And how did it all come about? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like so when you have a decision to make as to why you're putting on a piece of clothing, it's usually and especially with shapewear before it was, am I doing this to hide something or am I doing this because I want to enhance what I have? So similar to makeup. Right. And so, you know, it it really came it, it really came to light for me when I realized that I was using shapewear to hide. I was using it to flatten the stomach and I was using it to do all these things that society told me I had to be, which was flat stomach, you know, really small waist, just skinnier, the word skinny in general. And so a lot of the marketing language that I saw in shapewear was exactly that. It was slim. It was, you know, trimmed down, skinny, hide your fat, you know, hide your love handles, that sort of language. And so for me, when I put on my first piece of shapewear, it was exactly that that, you know, that experience that you mentioned, which I felt like I was shoving my body into this tube and it made me actually lose my shape. Right. Because I felt like, you know, I had a I wouldn't say a defined waist, but I had, you know, a waist and I lost it. I was like, oh, now I, I lose the curvature of my body because I just shoved all of my tissue and skin and fat into this like sock like you know, shape piece of shapewear. And so, you know, when creating this brand, it was really about how do I enhance the figure and celebrate a body that doesn't come with actually having to feel like I have to hide it. And so the way that I like to think of shapewear is, yeah, you can wear it out without having to hide it, without it having to be an undergarment. And that in and of itself makes you feel just proud and confident because you're like, I got nothing to hide. It's loud and clear. You know, it has shaping benefits, but so what? It's accentuating my figure. And we've found it's a success in doing that because women of all shapes, it doesn't have to be women that, you know, aren't necessarily plus size or sort of curvier, but it's women of all shapes that can celebrate their figure in whatever shape they are in and in a very fashion forward, stylish way. We always as women had to, or just in general as a human race, we always have to decide between fashion and function. 
And I hated having to make that decision. I was like, why do we have to, if it's functional, it's ugly and it's unsightly and I, you know, it's going to be concealed. If it's fashionable, it's not as comfortable, but hey, I'm going to do it for the sake of fashion. And so, you know, wanting to just merge those two together to create something that makes people feel like, okay, there's a ton of function in this, but I look good doing it because it has all of these fashion elements to it. And so that's really how we promote body positivity just amongst people in general. This podcast is sponsored by Vegamore. I'm literally doing a little happy dance because y'all are blowing me up, loving my beloved hair care products. And I am so glad that they are back to give you a discount. I love being a walking infomercial for them. I have visibly thicker, fuller, shinier, much longer hair without harsh ingredients. They are the cleanest ingredient hair product that I can find with proven results. It is the only one that met my standards clinically tested to improve density up to 52%, reduce shedding by 76%, and 91% of customers say that they saw visibly thicker hair with Vegamore in just three months. This is your sign. Do not sleep on these incredible products. All Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free, no harmful chemicals, and never contain parabens. I use the Grow Revitalizing line, the shampoo and conditioner, has a foundation kit, which also includes the clarifying serum. That's what I recommend that those three together are so good for scalp health. And I also use their dry shampoo because it smells so good using fruit oils and no synthetic fragrances. It helps me not have to wash my hair for a whole week. And I also have been loving their leave-in conditioner spray and heat protection. So if you blow dry your hair or if you use a curling iron, I would definitely look into that as well because it is the only clean one that I found and really helps my hair stay hydrated throughout the week because, you know, I'm only washing out once a week. Oh, amazing. You can see all the things that I love at vegamore.com slash whole view and there's no risk when trying because they have a 90 day money back guarantee Give yourself the hair you never thought you could have with Vegamore. For a limited time, you, whole view listeners, get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash whole view and use code whole view at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash whole view, code whole view to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash whole view, code whole view. I think it's interesting as you were talking, the phrase beauty is pain came to mind. And I was like, I mean, it's also, I guess, fashion is pain, right? Like if we think about how many times we've been told like, yeah, it's going to hurt to wear the high heels, but just do it. And I just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know for me in the pandemic, I came up with two rules and they're, they're both like lazy fashion rules. And out of the (laughs) pandemic, I was like, I am no longer going to wear hard pants, any pants that like I sit and they hurt and they're uncomfortable and they're like digging into me. Nope, I'm done with those. Yep. yep. Because, you know, we sat in our loungewear for so long for years, stayed in our house that I w- went to put on, you know, like stiff pants like that. And I was like, done. Nope, I yep. don't need these. And the other one was heels. And I was like, I am going to wear cute, like sparkly, whatever sneakers and whatever kind of shoes I can wear. But I am done with heels. I am 
Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of people who came up with their own version of that out of the pandemic where we don't need fashion to be painful. We don't need these things anymore. We've seen that we could survive without them. And I think it really changed the collective community's perspective on what we're interested in. And what I can imagine is part of the increase in desire for something like a product that you're making that celebrates a figure that feels good and that, you know, doesn't feel painful, but still accomplishes what someone's trying to do. I know for me, that's when I found it. And that's, you know, when I was like, oh, I can incorporate this in a way that's cute and functional and whatever. So, yeah. And it makes you feel proud to, or just looking forward to wearing. I think that we shouldn't have to feel like we have to wear something that we're dreading something. Yeah. Like shapewear used to be like, oh, I guess I'll wear these, this shapewear under this dress to make the dress look better, you know? And it was always this dread. No one ever looks forward to wearing shapewear. <laughs> and so really wanted to take that and just be like, no, you can you can look forward to wear, you should look forward to everything that you're wearing. Yeah. You know? And I will say not only is it for me, like I remember the first time I put on the classic bodysuit that you make, I took like photos and videos of myself and I never... Ever like want to take photos or videos of myself in my underwear, not because of a problem with my body, but because like I'm the mom of four teenagers and they're constantly getting into my phone. And I'm just like, nope, there's a line that I'm not going to cross. But I was out and about and I was like, I am going to take photos and videos of this because I was traveling and I was like, I want to show like the people who I'm connected with that, like, I feel so good in this that I don't have anything to hide. Like, it's covering me like a swimsuit would cover me, but I feel really good in it. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity with fashion in general for us as consumers to think, like, are the clothes that you're putting on your body making you feel that way? Like, it doesn't have to be just Rachel's brand. I think there's a lot of different clothing items that we're using in our closet, in our drawers, and maybe just out of habit or maybe out of societal expectations, we feel like that's why we're wearing this item. Maybe it's hard pants, maybe it's heels, maybe it's something else for you, right? But like for me, it is an opportunity to kind of reevaluate what I really want. And then as I narrow down, then I'm able to step away from fast fashion, then I'm able to find brands like yours or other B Corps. Like I love wearing Athleta because it's a B Corp and those products are guaranteed. You know, I look for brands. I really have been loving a brand called Able because they do size swap for up to a year. So like if you buy something and then your size goes up or down, they'll actually exchange clothes for you and everything is ethically sourced. Like I think that there's a lot of opportunity to find items when you're not buying as often and you know exactly what you want and you narrow it down to finding things that are empowering you in more ways than just the way you look. Like I feel good when I wear clothes that I know are sustainably made. I feel good when I know that clothes are ethically made. Like those things also make me feel good. And I think it's important for us as consumers to kind of consider that as we look at our closet and are like, do I really want to wear hard pants still? No, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I'm going to get some 
B Corp leggings instead or whatever. So, yeah. and yeah. usually, honestly, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows that with fashion brands, the comfort element just isn't necessarily thought about. You know, they yeah. fast fashion manufacturers, it's just all about pumping out the most stylish, relevant product, often at the expense of, you know, comfort elements because those typically cost more. So, really being thoughtful about who you buy and the from fit. the fit is like you can fit. buy from the same brand and the fit is completely different and two different completely different yeah yeah yes exactly and so there's definitely a ton of benefit from buying from you know from brands that that cater to that um fit function and comfort element yeah okay well thank you so much for allowing me to drill you with all of the questions before you go i like to always leave listeners with something positive and actionable things that they can do to take to be better either for themselves, for their community, for the earth, whatever it might be. I'd love to hear your ideas and maybe there are some specific things that we can do to avoid participating in fast fashion or anything else you can think of. Yeah, I think on the consumer side, I really like honestconsumer.com. I know that they have a ton of just ethical and sustainable brands. Just if you're looking for brands to shop for. They have a really great directory. I know that earths.org has a lot of just great information and articles about SaaS fashion and its impact. So there's a writer there that writes just a ton of articles about SaaS fashion and sustainable practices within the industry. So that's a really good area to look at. Also, I would look into what's happening in the UK. They're really right now the top country that's driving change in the fast fashion space, just promoting sustainable fashion in a large way, implementing new laws. I think they're really a country to look at. And on the manufacturing side, there's sustainablefashiontoolkit.com, where, you know, on the manufacturing side, you can learn about chemicals, how that impacts climate change, how to build a sustainable brand, just um, in thinking through just the, and architecting your brand throughout this type of environmentally sustainable manufacturing process way. And so a ton of great resources there to check out. I love it. And you know, listeners, that we'll be putting a list of links in the show notes, both to the research that I shared earlier, as well as to the items that I mentioned from Pimsy that I wear and love, as well as the links that Rachel just shared. So I want to thank you listeners for tuning in today. We appreciate your willingness to be open to grow through your own personal changes. No one is perfect, but in listening, learning, and unlearning, we can become better versions of ourselves. And if you want to find more, you can also follow Rachel's brand on Instagram. And like I said, we'll put a link to wearepimsy.com and that's P-I-N-S why in the show note links is there anything else that i forgot to mention rachel before we say goodbye no i don't think so i think that's everything okay well it's been wonderful i thank you so much for sharing so much of your knowledge and experience with us and your honesty and transparency and everything as well as creating something that helps people feel good and listeners if you want to Find out more about Pinsy, which is spelled P-I-N-S-Y. You can go to wearepinsy.com or on Instagram at Pinsy Shapewear. 
And Rachel, I just want to thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself today, your experience and everything. And I look forward to seeing what's next from you and your brand, because what you're doing is, as you said, so forward thinking in terms of moving fashion in a more positive way and helping us feel good in the clothes and the skin that we're in. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you for having me. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.